Welcome to the Beyond Rich Podcast, where we talk about all of those turning point moments that changed everything and the mindset it took to get there. Okay, guys, I this episode, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. So I did this poll on Instagram, right? And I asked all of you, I said, what do you think that my second episode should be about? And I put on there, um, you know, how to become awesome at sales. Um, what What is the purpose behind Beyond Rich Podcast, which obviously we already covered that one. I can't remember the other ones, but they were more like tactical businessy things. And then the one of the, I think like the final option was what's what it is like to be a female breadwinner. That was overwhelming. And that was one of those I just I just threw on there because I was like, no, nah, I don't know. No one's going to choose this one, right? No, everyone chose that one. It was like 90% of people wanted that one. So here we go, guys. Um, it's just hilarious. So hilarious to me because not hilarious. Well, I guess a little hilarious. It's all I've known. This is how I grew up. I grew up with the female breadwinner. In fact, my mom was so adamant that my sister and I would have strong female role models in our lives that we only had female everything, female dentist, female accountant, female uh, doctor, fe- like everything. We only saw women, like high powered females in our whole lives. Like we didn't even, female optometrists, like anything leadership wise, she made sure that we saw females. So it's interesting because it's literally like asking a fish what it's like to be in water. I don't know any different. Yet I definitely, as I have gotten older and you know longer in my career and also deeper in my marriage, I've been married 10 years and um, Ugo and I have been together since 2006. There's a lot I want to say on this, um, which is just cool because I've never really talked about this before. So thank you for giving me an opportunity to share. So recently, one of my best friends sent me this link on Instagram with a bunch of horrible statistics about female breadwinners. I mean, seriously, if you were wondering about, you know, the goodness of people and all these things, you should not watch this Instagram little reel because it's depressing. And since I'm someone that I just like to know facts, uh, I'm a fact-based person, I'm going to give them to you, okay? But brace yourselves. Are you ready? Here we go. So currently, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, women are the primary breadwinners in 38% of marriages. So that means almost 4 in 10 marriages, females are making more than their husbands. Then there was another study done by the Chicago Booth School of Business that found that if a woman made even just $5,000 more a year than her husband, that she was at greater risk for divorce. And then the last one, which brace yourself, it said it was a study from the U.S. National Survey of Families and Households that said that basically the likelihood of divorce increased by 50% when a woman out-earned her husband. Awesome. Great. Super fun. No, it's this, this is horrible. This sucks. And we live in a generation where this is becoming more and more common and we really don't have guidance and we don't have role models for how this can work and how 
marriages with a female breadwinner can be successful and passionate and loving and all of the wonderful juicy things that marriage should be. And the other interesting thing as I was studying and putting this together, so there have also been generational shifts. Millennial women are almost twice as likely as women in the baby boomer generation, which is most of kind of our parents, to earn the same as their partners. So we are definitely in uncharted waters. 100% this is rare. So the other thing that when I was studying this and because I was kind of trying to get some outside insight, if that makes sense, because I wanted the episode to be more well-rounded than just my personal experience. So there was a study also that um, talked about that financial dependence may be particularly threatening in a marriage, resulting in relationships, sabotaging behavior, uh, even cheating is more common in marriages where there's a female breadwinner. And they say that it might be a subliminal way to bolster the male partner's self-esteem or reestablish his sense of masculinity. So I really think that this is something, if you are a female breadwinner or maybe you're a man who that is in a relationship with a female breadwinner, this episode is for you. Or maybe you're a woman that uh, kind of fell into being a breadwinner and it wasn't something you necessarily wanted, um, but it just so happens that maybe your husband got laid off or whatever. So I, I have a ton of a ton of tips and these tips can be used for female breadwinners or just marriage in general. And these tips can be used for marriages with a female breadwinner or just marriages in general. So I have to kind of rewind the tape a little bit. Ugo and I uh, come from similar families in that both of our families had moms as really the breadwinners. So that is an interesting dynamic and maybe made Ugo more, more likely, you know, to marry a female breadwinner because his mom was. So I have to put that out there because when people get to know Ugo and stuff and they're like, wow, he's such a powerful man. He's so strong in his identity. Well, it's kind of how he grew up as well. So we, I guess, again, like we are, I guess, experts in this topic, which is kind of funny. So here we go. Um, there's so many, like, I don't know. Like, let me, let me say, at, let me say this. Let me say this. As I give you these tips, these are in of no, <sighs> let me say this. As I'm about to give you these marriage tips, these are in no particular order, okay? So here we go. One of the things that Ugo and I talked about early on when we were kind of deciding whether or not we were going to get married, which sounds so unromantic, um, but that's a whole nother story. Immigration got involved and was like, hey, Hugo Hernandez, you need to go back to Mexico or find a way to stay. And that find a way to stay was getting married. And thank you, God, that that happened that way. Because if it wouldn't have, we would not be married. Uh, because I never in a million years thought that I was going to get married. In fact, I didn't want to get married. I didn't see the point of it. I thought that, you know, it would just slow me down. I'm a really ambitious person. And I thought, no, like, why would, why, why do you need a man? Like, they're just going to 
make you slower and want to control you and all these things. So anyways, I was wrong and I actually think that paradigm is super harmful. So, um, cause I do believe we are better together. I know we are better together. So anyways, we, we ended up getting married after being engaged for four days. Again, another episode, stay tuned. So as we were talking about kind of our marriage and our vision for our marriage, we had this conversation one night and we're from different countries as well, right? So I'm from the United States, Idaho. I grew up in Idaho. I was born in San Francisco and he's from Guadalajara. We are also decades apart. So one decade. So I'm, I'm at the time of this recording, I'm 34 and he is 44. So we just have a lot of differences. And when we got married, I was not a follower of Jesus. I didn't believe in the Bible. I believed in uh, kind of just the universe, esoteric things, new age, uh, all of those things. And, and he was a follower of Jesus. So anyway, we had that going against us as well, where we just didn't agree on kind of most things, but love brought us together. So honestly, love is so powerful and it is just so beautiful. Anyways, here's what I want to say on that note. We were having a conversation around kind of like, okay, well, you know, in my family, we did this and this and this and for the holidays or for, you know, just general, like, oh, we always had parties at our house and we, our house was super like fun and lively. And he was like, well, in my family, like we did not, we worked a lot and we like really focused on our family business and everything. And I'm like, well, that sounds boring. And anyway, so we have this whole kind of arguments, not arguments, but deep discussions, I would say in the early times. Sometimes they turned into arguments, not going to lie. And eventually we came to this idea of we aren't going to talk ever again about, well, in my family or what I'm used to, we are going to throw that all in the trash. And that sounds really, really like intense, but we're just going to leave it all behind. We're going to leave it all behind. And we are going to create one culture, one family, one vision, one mission, and we're gonna create our own path, taking obviously the best of both worlds, leaving behind the things we didn't like, and really forging our own methodology, if you will, for living our own culture. And it was a conscious conversation that we had. And so that was really, that was really the beginning of our marriage. And at that point, um, I, I think we were making about the same. Uh, which wasn't much, maybe $35,000 a year each or something like that. We were struggling really bad uh, financially in the first year we got married. Like just, we, we were not scraping by, we were getting into debt every single month just to barely live. Truly, it was so challenging. So that was 10 years, well, I guess 11 years ago, 10 years ago. Oh my gosh, I'm like the worst with times. How long have we been married? 10 years, I guess it was 10 years ago. So one night, and here, here's how, here's how slash when really everything changed. So one night we went to dinner with, we went over to a friend's house for dinner and these friends were really successful and they were a lot older than us. So, well, maybe they were Ugo's age, maybe 15 years older than me or something. And we were having dinner with them and the husband, they had traditional roles. So the wife was more of the number one for the kids. She also helped with the husband's law practice. 
he had a law firm and she was like the kind of the admin, the the one that did all of the accounting for it, the scheduling, um, admin, COO type vibes. And he uh, obviously was the lawyer. So he, you know, got paid more, um, did all of the things in court. All, I don't know. What do lawyers even do? I'm not sure. Review contracts <laughs> and bill you lots of money. So, okay. So anyways, sorry, lawyers. Um, all right. So where was I? So as we were driving home from that night, I turned to Ugo and I said, oh my gosh, I just had like the biggest aha of my life. And he's like, what? And can you tell? I'm always like so dramatic. I, everything is like amazing. I, I'm a walking hyperbole, but that's my life. That's my life. I love it. I love it. So anyways, I say that to him. He's like, what? And I'm like, I figured it out. I'm like, if you're going to be happy in marriage and have success, you can't compete against each other. And like, for those of you listening, I'm, I'm never going, this is the one time in every podcast that I'm ever going to record that I'm going to apologize, but I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you're currently competing with your husband or maybe your wife. Because most of my most of my listeners are females, but I do have quite a number of male listeners too. Um, but anyways, it's just facts. Like what I saw, and I saw it in patterns. Like I saw it that night at dinner, but then I went through kind of like my Rolodex in my mind of everyone that I know that is successful in marriage and successful in business and investing all the things. There are roles. There are roles within that dynamic. And it doesn't have to do with male, female. There are just roles. There's the there's the family, kind of like head of the family role. And then there's the business leader role. There's the, uh, the money maker role. And then there's the nurturer. There's the one who is tying up all the loose ends. That is the number one for the kids. That is more of the administrative role. And I told that to Ugo, I was like, oh my gosh, like I, this is before Tino, this is before we had kids, way before. And I said to Ugo, I said, well, what role do you think? And mind you, we both had jobs. I think we were both making probably at that time, maybe 45K each. And I said, well, what role do you think that, you know, we both belong in? You know, if we're gonna really have a shared vision. Because the aha was that you cannot compete and win. You cannot compete with your husband or wife and win at this game called life. You cannot be beyond rich and have a comp competition within your own household under your own roof. And I hear a lot of women say stuff like, oh, I have a competition with my husband. I want to make more than him or, you know, whatever. But that I, I'm a really like intense person. I actually do believe what the Bible says about the power of life and death is in the tongue. And I believe that joking and sarcasm and things like that does something in the spirit. You can either edify and build up things in the spirit or you can tear them down. So I really, obviously you can tell by the way I'm speaking, it is like a trigger for me. I, I do not like that when I see couples say stuff like that about competing against each other. I'm like, no, you guys are one. There is no such thing as competition. You are one. So wherever I go, I represent Ugo. Wherever he goes, he represents me. So we had this conversation and he said to me, he's like, well, he's like, I think you're, you know, better at business. 
and you're more, um, what did he say? Like better at sales. You're more outgoing. Um, and I like at that point, you guys, like I didn't have a track record. Like he just saw these characteristics in me, but it's not like I had proven myself in any way, shape or form. So, but he just knows me. And that's another one of the tips for a great marriage is study your partner, know them, know their strengths, know their weaknesses. And I said to Ugo, well, I think like you're super organized and you're super reliable and you're super, um, you know, Ugo's like so clean and so like systematic about things and methodical and he has insane follow through. And I'm like, I'm like hitting the garage once a week with my car. (laughs) I mean, really though. So, but I'm, you know, I'm super passionate and I'm really analytical and strategic and really I have a lot of courage to take action and these things. But that night was a turning point because that was laying groundwork for the roles that we would step into when our first son was born. And that night was interesting because I actually cried, you guys. I cried. I remember it was dark. It was like December. I was cold and we were in the car and he was saying these things about my personality traits and and things and I started crying and I said, you know, I wish, I just wish that I could be more like you. Like I wish I wasn't like this. Um, because it just... I I had read studies at that point even um, that said that marriages with traditional roles have a higher success rate. Why is that? It's because everybody knows what to do. We've seen it on the movies. We've lived it, you know, a lot of us, right? And not me, but, you know, we've seen like how a traditional marriage works, right? The mom is the nurturer and she's the one bringing cookies to the to the Thanksgiving event and making sure that the kid's wearing the right uniform on the right day and picking them up from soccer and doing all those things. And there's so much that goes into just running a household, cleaning and cooking and buying groceries and paying bills and insurance. And oh my gosh, I mean, it's literally its own business. And I just, I cried. And in that moment, Ugo was just so sweet. And he was just like, well, he said, I wish I was more like you. And I was like, really? I was like, because I love you just the way you are. Like, I love that you're organized and that you're conscientious and caring and you're not reckless and (laughs) all over the place like me. And he was just like, well, I guess we're together for a reason. And we're the exact opposite and the exact complement of one another. And if we can just love and accept one another for our strengths and encourage one another in those strengths, we can go really far. And so that was, that was a massive, massive turning point for us. And it was just nothing quite changed in that moment, but it was laying the groundwork, if you will. And so then when Valentino was born, we didn't have an idea for childcare for him. We didn't have any planning. I, I'm not really a super huge planner. Um, which maybe that shocks you. But anyways, that's another, that's like, I don't even know my planning system. Don't even ask. That is another episode. I don't even know how to describe my planning, planning system. Uh, God, God is my planning system. Okay. So, um, where was I? 
oh, so then when Valentino was born, we we were taking a walk one day, and uh, Ugo was on paternity leave. He was working at a bank at the time, and he said to me, like, hey, what are, what, what are we going to do? He was about two weeks into the paternity leave, and I think he had two more weeks. And I said, well, I don't know. What do you want to do? And at that time, we had um, just purchased our business. I had worked in – it was my family's business, um, but it's nothing like it was when – when we purchased, that's another story. We restructured, we grew it. It's like a whole nother world now. But, um, he said, I can't imagine putting Tino in a daycare. Like I just can't do it. I can't do it. And he reminded me of the story that we had heard. And I'm going to tell you the story. Okay. And I pray, I sincerely pray that this story impacts your heart in the way that it did mine and Ugo's when we heard it this story changed everything. I really do believe God was planting the seeds and he knew, he knew that the roles that he was going to have us in. So here's the story. Are you ready? It's not really a story, but it's, it's just facts. So, you know, a Clydesdale horse, those are the horses that pull, um, they're, they're like, they, they can pull big loads. They're the Budweiser horses. So they're like these really big, strong horses. So here we go. A single Clydesdale horse can pull a load up to 8,000 pounds. That is insane. One horse can pull 8,000 pounds. So then, you know, people speculate, okay, well, if we put up two horses together to a load, I mean, instantly, how many pounds do you think it could pull? 16,000, right? Well, no, that's not true they actually can pull two working together. They can pull 24,000 pounds. So that is insane, right? Like three times as much. But then there comes an even greater lesson in this, in this scenario of the horses. If the two horses that are pulling together have trained and they've been with one another for a long time and they have that that like chemistry and that intimate knowledge of one another. They can't just pull three times as much. They can actually pull 32,000 pounds, you guys, which is a load four times as heavy as either of the horses could pull on their own. This is powerful. This is powerful. If you can get this, and I pray that you do, in your marriage, you guys, in your in your most critical relationship, your most intimate relationship, the Bible says when we get married, it's two becoming one flesh, one, like actually becoming one, meaning there is no difference between Ugo and I. What I do to him, I do to myself. What he does to me, he does to himself, and vice versa four times as much. So in, in that, when we took, when we were taking that walk with Valentino and his little bassinet, so cute. And we had a dog at the time named Nacho. Don't ask me where he went. (laughs) Anyways, he lives on a farm now. Love Nacho. Um, actually I'm not a dog person. Please don't hate me. So I told you we're gonna be like friends, right? So I'm going to tell you like actual things. Um, okay. So Ugo reminds me of the story and he's like, Natalie, this is our chance. He goes, let's go all in. He goes, let's go all in. And at that time, we owned one little duplex. 
Okay, we didn't own anything else, just one little duplex and a house. So he goes, let's go all in. He's like, I'm going to support you. I'm going to cheerlead you on. I'm going to support you running this business. You are made to be a CEO. You've got this and I'm going to take care of everything else. You don't have to worry about a thing other than making our company grow. And you guys, that was so much freedom, so much freedom. And I, 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 I cried as you can tell, like I'm a crier. I cried and I was like, are you sure? Are you sure you're not going to resent me? Because honestly, like I posted on my stories the other day, I am a wild horse. Like I like to run. I'm a visionary. Like I see opportunity everywhere. I love to create. I'm an entrepreneur. Like I love to create. I love to grow. I love to build. Like it is my DNA. And so when he gave me permission to be me and not only just like permission, but celebrated me and said, I'm going to, I'm going to be me, which in his case, like he, he, he's amazing at checking all of the boxes and all of these things. Like it takes so much follow through to run a household. Guys, that's not me. Like I have an assistant shout out, Melissa. I love you. And she's amazing at all of that. But anyways, that she didn't come until later. So, so here we go. That's it. That's really it. That's how I became like the female breadwinner. I really always was in my DNA and then how I am wired, but that was the turning point moment. And so like, I remember crying and saying, will you resent me? He said, no. He said, we're in this together. We're one, like your win is my win. My win is your win. Like, and so that was, that was, that was it. And it was like off to the races. And from that moment, you guys, like that was 2017. And at the time of this recording, this is January 17th, 2023. I mean, we went from, I mean, I don't even know what our net worth was at that point, but we're talking like 10, 15 X what we were. And, and it's not what I did or anything like that. It's teamwork. It was trust. It's having a confidant. It's having a shared vision and mission. Like everything I do as the leader of commercial Northwest, like Ugo knows about it. He's involved in, he, he says that he's like my therapist, my coach. He, he, and we have that vibe and that dynamic. And, and so here's some other tips I want to say. So like once you've stepped into that dynamic and you are a breadwinning wife, I'm going to give it to you straight. I hope Ugo doesn't listen to this. He's going to learn all my secrets. Okay. <laughs> Number one, you have to overcompensate. You have to overcompensate. And you need to ask yourself right now, do I want to be right? Or do I want to be one with my husband? Do I want to be right? Or do I want to be one with my husband? And here's what I mean by this. A lot of times, like I'm, I'm a fast thinker. Ugo is more methodical, right? Like I'm more reckless and I want to put things into motion right away. And he is more cautious and reserved. And because I am in the role of the female breadwinner, like, yeah, I could try to ramrod him with my ideas and with my energy and with my visions for what we should do and blah, blah, blah. But I've learned through 10 years of being together and through fruit, like through actual seeing that this works, that slower truly is faster. 
And that respecting my husband and giving him the place of being the man and being the ultimate decision maker within our family structure gets me 10 times further than me being a nag, than me being aggressive, than me being, um, how do I want to say it? Like trying to shove my ideas down his throat. You know what I mean? So when I drive home from my office, in my office, and Ugo knows, right? And we talk about it. I'm like, I am literally a different person. It's not like I'm putting on a show or anything. I, I'm just, I'm highlighting certain characteristics that work in my role as a CEO. And I am diminishing certain characteristics in my role as a wife, a mom. Okay? And that's just called wisdom. It's not manipulation. It's not anything other than being wise and reading your room, reading the audience and wanting to win. I had no idea this episode was going to be so long, but obviously I'm passionate about this stuff. So when I drive home, I am actively unwinding my brain. And sometimes I do that through listening to worship music. Sometimes I do that through talking to a friend, calling my mom, like I, or maybe I'm just checking little things off my list. Like I could be, you know, wrapping up a client call or talking to Melissa on the way home. But on my way home, I am actively changing. It's like, I, I like, I was like Superman. I just got this image of like, no, like Wonder Woman, you know, like she's the Amazon and I don't even know. Okay. Anyways, I am changing from CEO, boss lady, driver to lover, nurturer, and admirer. I mean, remember when you were dating your person? I mean, weren't you like just the sweetest and weren't you like, just like you'd laugh at all his jokes and right. And you weren't putting it on like you were in love. So remember how you were back then and be that person. Now it obviously got you somewhere. And then number two. And so like you have to overcompensate like the period end of story, you have to become more submissive in your home. I'm going to get hate from that for this. I literally don't care because the fruits are there. My, my marriage is a treasure. It's a gem. We are in love period. End of story. Um, and it's because of that. Like I don't want to be right. I don't have to be right. I don't need to be right. It doesn't mean that sometimes I don't get frustrated. It doesn't mean that sometimes I don't get exasperated. It doesn't mean that sometimes I don't wish that a decision could be made quicker or that everything went all my way, but I have made a decision like and, and making a decision means you cut off all other options to, to decide. If you Google it, the word decide ends in CID and so does pesticide, homicide, genocide. It means to cut off. I know those aren't great words, but decide means side means to kill off. I have killed off all other options other than to have a blissfully passionate, romantic, and fruitful marriage. Work is second. The boss Natalie gal who she's awesome and I like that's who I am at my core, but I'm also this other person. I'm both of these person people. Like and so so are you. We have we are multifaceted. So anyways, um, the other thing is, well, and this is, I guess I'm going to give you this example because some of you might be thinking, well, I need an example. So the other day, it was like last week or something, 
I was just, I wasn't even thinking, but I just was talking to um, Vanessa, our nanny, and I was like, hey, Vane, we speak Spanish, so I'm translating right now. But I was like, yeah, we went to, we went to dinner, and I, I asked Ugo if I could order pizza, and she's like, whoa. She's like, yeah, so you are submissive, submissive. And I, I didn't even think about it. Like, I'm at this point now where it wasn't like, it's not like a tactic or anything like that, but I respect him. Like, we had already ordered other things, and it was like, I don't, I'm not going to just order another pizza. You might be thinking, well, Natalie, you're the one making the money. Like, no, we are one. We have shared goals. He's the money multiplier, and I'm the money maker. That's another episode. That was when we kind of really redefined, not redefined, but uh, further refined our roles, meaning that. I make money. I'm really good at that. Very good. And he humbly said, I am very good at that. And he uh, manages our investments. And also we invest together, but he is the really the one moving money around, making sure that all of our investment funds are funded, like the 401ks and all those things. And then also doing our um, Airbnb management, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So back to this. Number two, show gratitude, okay? Showing gratitude. I mean, that's a great practice for anything. Show gratitude for all the 1,010 little things that your husband does that you just expect him to or you just take for granted. Don't you want to be appreciated? We have to do what we want. If we want to be appreciated, we have to do it. And that's called maturity. <laughs> okay, number three, humility, right? There was a time when um, I used to always say like, my business, my this, my that. But then now, like, you know, we had a conversation one time. This was like maybe seven years ago or something. Or I don't know. I'm really bad at timelines. But anyways, he was like, that's not yours. It's ours. And, and I and I kind of felt like, well, I'm the one, you know, I, I was prideful. I'm like, well, I'm the one that I, I've been putting my blood, sweat, and tears into this. And it's like, well, who lets you have the time and space to even work on this stuff, right? Like, you're one. So anyways, that's, that is, oh, show, really important. Um, oh yeah, I love this one. Pay for help so that you don't make your husband into your assistant. So I think that every high earner, I mean, we talk about high earner, like what, what does that even mean? But every busy entrepreneur, CEO, businesswoman, business person, salesperson, if you are in a sales type of field, you need an assistant. And that is crucial um, so that you don't make your husband into your assistant. You know, it's like sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll ask Google like, oh, can you get this done or whatever? And it's not as fast as I wanted or whatever. And Melissa, my gal, she gets it done. And sometimes Google, you know, if it's not a fast thing or maybe whatever, it just depends. Like read the room, read the room. Number six. Okay. Do not be a victim. In my case, I chose this life. Like I chose to be a breadwinner. And I cannot be resentful of something that I chose. I also chose to marry Ugo, right? So sometimes marriage can be hard, right? So sometimes you have to remind yourself, like you chose to marry this person. So are you wrong about your choice? Like, so you were wrong? No, you weren't wrong. It just takes work. It takes work. It takes character development and maturity to have the marriage that you saw on TV growing up. And besides, those aren't even real. 
So if you feel like you didn't choose it, I wanted to speak to this and you fell into being a breadwinner due, due to circumstances like maybe your husband got laid off or whatever, you're going to have to reframe it, girlfriend. You are going to have to reframe it and realize that you are in this position because you are capable. Okay. You are capable. That's why you're in this position. And I don't know what lessons are there for you, but there's a lot. There's a lot of lessons. If you fell into being a breadwinner, it's because you're capable of, of the road ahead. And with being capable comes a lot of, I don't want to say weight on your shoulders, but you, you have to take it as an honor in a sense, because the fact that you're capable, not everyone is capable. So just realize that you are talented and you are able and not everyone is and that's okay and if that's your husband it doesn't mean that it's a bad husband or a bad match it just means you're capable and you're on you're going on a journey whether you like it or not you've been chosen like hello you have been chosen for the journey so take it as an honor take it as an honor all right number seven check your heart so this is something that I'm really just feel I need to say this. So when we think about affairs, right? Like people always think about sexual affairs, but truly we can have an affair with work as well. So as a female breadwinner or as just a breadwinner in general, are you using work as an escape platform or as the fountain that is giving you all of the notoriety, all of the confidence, all the compliments, all of the cheerleading, all of the accolades, the awards, all of the influence, all of the applause that you're looking for, right? It, it, because if that's the case, it doesn't matter what type of other tips I give you. If, if that's you, if you're using work to fill that void and to fill that hole that truly only spiritual things can fill, that's where we need to start. And I mean, Ugo and I have had some major disagreements when it comes to where we're going next as, I, I guess I'm over-exaggerating that because we have not had disagreements around where we're going next. We've had disagreements around timing. Let me put it that way. Just, I'd say like a month and a half ago, I was like, I want to join this mastermind. I want to, I can see clearly where we're going next. I know exactly what we're going to do. We're going to create X, Y, and Z. It's going to bring us to, I mean, this is going to sound insane, but a hundred million dollars net worth in 10 years. Like I can see it. I can taste it. It's a foregone conclusion. I want to join this mastermind. I know it's what I need and what we need, but you know what I need for us. And he's like, it's not the right time. I was so mad, you guys. I was literally like a little girl. I wanted to pout. I wanted to cry. I wanted to this. And I know some people are thinking like, well, why? Like, why do you need his permission? Because we're one. Because I respect him. Because this is how you have a fruitful marriage is that you respect your man. And you know what? I am a month and a half away from that disagreement that we had. I obviously I gave in because this is my rule number seven is check your heart, like lay it down, be willing to lay it down for your marriage. And that's 
that's hard. But I would, I would, if, if, if Ugo came home to me and said, Hey, I feel like, you know, I've been telling you month after month after month after month, you don't put us as a priority. Um, you know, the business has taken over everything in our lives. Chalala, chalala. I'd sell it. I literally sell it. I've never looked back. I do not care because my finish line success, my, I know what my vision of success looks like when I'm 85. And maybe that's a project for you is to write that down. Write down what your definition of success is at 85. Like who's around you? What are you doing? What are people saying about your character? I know what mine is. And mine is with Ugo and I, he's 95, I'm 85. And we are passionately in love. We are youthful, vibrant. We've done amazing things with tips. We've seen people's lives transformed. I mean, I could go on and on. I, I can see it. I can taste it. And so it's like, no, I got to keep my heart right because the business is just a vehicle. It's just something to put my time and my talent and my energy into. It's not an idol for me. And it's never going to be above my relationship with Ugo ever or my relationship with God. All right. I'm getting off of my soapbox here. Um, this is kind of a small one, but it's super helpful give a range of times when you'll be home. Okay, so guys, this is like the one I'm like, oh my gosh. So I would always be like, oh, Ugo, I'll be home in 20 minutes, in 30 minutes. And then like an hour and 30 minutes will go by. And you know, I'm just like in my flow. And so what I realized was, okay, I have to win at this. So what am I gonna do? So now I give a range like, oh, I'll be home between 5.30 and 6.30. And then I always hit the range. Because that was kind of like, you know, when you're at home waiting for someone, you're like, uh, you know, counting down the minutes till they come home. So my last one is super practical. I think everyone needs to hear this. Practice essentialism. Okay, if you have not read the book, you need to read the book Essentialism. Here's the thing. There is no shortage of things we can volunteer for after hours activities, business networking things. There's just like no shortage of that stuff. That That is, so much of that is noise and it doesn't actually drive results in our business. It might be like a fun little hobby, but truly time. We need to invest time in our marriage to get out the results that we want. And so as a female breadwinner, I don't, I, I'm clear. Like I don't, my goal is to have uh, one or less, <laughs> zero or one nights away from my family during the week. I don't go to networking things. I don't, if it's a night activity, like I want to be home because I want to show that I am putting my family first. And it's hard um, because, you know, sometimes there's a lot of temptation, a lot of temptation, like, hey, come to this event. Hey, speak at this. Hey, do this, do that. Hey, can you do that? Like, but the answer is no. Like I, I have to, um, you know, stay in alignment with my 85 year old self vision and, and plant the seeds where I know that I want them to grow, you know, decade after decade, after decade, after decade. And I think I see so many people, I mean, out there and I'm just like, when do they ever spend time with their families? That's a whole nother episode. When I think about sports and things, oh my gosh, don't even get me on my soapbox. Um, all right. Well, it's okay. It's, it's a real talk with Natalie and that's that. I obviously had a ton to say. It was 44 minutes long. Holy crap. 
Um, thank you. If you stuck with me the whole time, you are a freaking gem. And I hope that gave you a lot of insights. Um, and if you have questions or maybe even like scenarios, I, I think it'd be so fun to do. I loved the column, Dear Alice. Did you guys ever read that when you were kids? It was in the newspaper under the life section. And it was like, Dear Alice. And they'd like have problems and they'd write it in. Whatever. What I'm trying to say is if you have a Dear Alice problem, and of course it would be anonymous, write it in. I would love to answer it on a podcast. It'd be so fun. Okay, guys. Female breadwinner. Everything you maybe wanted or didn't want to know. <laughs> I really hope it was helpful in all seriousness. And if you like this episode share it on your stories. That would mean the world to me and uh, tag some friends. Okay guys, be blessed. Bye.